Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 through 7, called, When the Lord Passes By. All right, Exodus 34, if you're able to stand, why don't you stand for the reading of God's word. The first eight verses is what we're tackling tonight. Now, the Lord said to Moses, Exodus 34, 1, cut out for yourselves two stone tablets like the former ones. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets, which you shattered. So be ready by morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No man is to come up with you, nor let any man be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and the herds may not graze in the front of the mountain. So he cut the two stone tablets, 34-4, like the former ones. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him. And he took took two stone tablets in his hand. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations." And Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. As you stay standing, this is a prayer from Exodus 34. Maybe you could just take a look with me. Let's pray it together. The Lord, the Lord God, what is he? Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. Father, thank you for who you are. This is not everything about every single attribute, but this is what you chose to make known to Moses as you would allow all your goodness to pass by him. Thank you for these wonderful attributes in these few verses here. Uh, They mean so much to us, and we want to have them as our own as we navigate our walk with Jesus Christ. Bless the time tonight, Father. Teach us your ways. Be glorified in both the hearing, the teaching, and the response to your word. In Jesus' name, All God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Exodus 34, verses 1 through 8, when the Lord passes by. Now, if you look back just a few verses to the previous chapter, Moses had made a request of the Lord. Uh, Here it is. Moses said, verse 18, chapter 33, I pray thee, show me your glory. Exodus 33, 19. And God said to Moses, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see my face and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand. By the way, the word for blessing in Hebrew in the 
picture language is the hand that covers. And what's interesting to think about is when, oftentimes when we see a, a prayer of blessing, we see the laying on of hands. We see the idea of uh, someone who touches another. Jesus had the children coming to him and he was blessing them. This is the idea of the hand that covers. And God's hand covered Moses as he placed him in the cleft of the rock, to, really to protect him from seeing that full glory. The hand that covers, a blessed moment was ahead for uh, Moses, not realized in what we're reading now, but in the section ahead, which is tonight. I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now that was the promise. Moses made the request. I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. God said, okay, this is what's going to happen. And the realization of that promise happens in this section. This is when the Lord passes by. And we're introduced to the section, Now the Lord, 34.1, said to Moses, Cut out for yourself two stone tablets like the former ones, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets which you shattered. Now Moses, when he was coming down the mountain, after receiving the law, the people were below, and what had they done? They had made the famous golden calf, and they were partying around it, and they were get, you know, acclaiming it as their God that led them out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron was a part of that, and you, got, you all know that ugly story. We've already studied it. And when Moses came down the mountain, he took the stone tablets before they had ever really interacted with them or even maybe seen them. And he threw them to the ground and they shattered. You could say they shattered into a thousand pieces, right? And, and the, the appropriateness of that picture is that the people had broken the covenant. And so the covenant was captured in those words written on the front and on the back. And I told you a little bit about the Hebrew idea of a ketubah or a marriage. And this was a marriage covenant at Sinai. And when they were worshiping the golden calf, they were cheating on God. It was spiritual adultery. It's like, you know, maybe you could imagine uh, marrying somebody, you, you marry one that you've made a commitment to, you say vows at the altar and you come home the first day after the honeymoon and there's another person in your bed. Well, that's pretty much on the spiritual level what happened. Moses is still up getting the law. The blood is fresh, you know, of the covenant that's been sprinkled and the people are committing adultery against the Lord. And Moses did what I think a lot of people would do in a moment like that. If you can personalize this, he was angry. I think his anger reflected God's anger and hurt. And he threw the tablets to the ground and they shattered because the covenant had been shattered. And the question is, what do you do once a covenant is broken? Can the broken pieces be picked up again? Well, in this case, there's going to be no super glue. There's not going to be gluing together of the tablets, but there's going to be a remaking of the tablets. In fact, we could say the covenant will be renewed. Uh, God does not give up on the people, although there were many 
you know, tenuous moments where it was hard to know which way this was going to go. And God set up his tent of meeting outside the camp and he kind of left a question mark as to whether or not he was even going to go with the people. You guys remember those studies if you were with us. Well, now Moses is told, I want you to cut for yourself two stone tablets like the former ones. If you peek back to 3118, just for a second, Exodus 3118, take a look, it says, And when he had finished speaking with him up on Mount Sinai, 3118, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, notice, written by the finger of God. Now in 34.1, the two tablets, the second attempt at them, are now cut out by Moses. It would seem that God did all the work on the first go-around. He cut them out and wrote on them. The second go around, Moses cuts out the tablets and it does say that God is going to then write on those tablets. But we, we see, for example, in 32, 15 and 16, just to kind of bring home the point, Moses turned 32, 15. He went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets which were written on both sides. They were written on one side and the other, 32, 16, and the tablets were God's work, and the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. So it was all the work of God. God had cut them out. He had written on them and then given them to Moses. Now, in 34.1, Moses is going to cut out the tablets. And even though it says that God is going to write on them, it is actually Moses that writes on them. If you look ahead in 34.27... The Lord said to Moses, 34, 27, write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And so he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote, Moses did, on the tablets, the words of the covenant, that is what? The Ten Commandments. Now there's what the Jewish rabbis call the Ten Words. Go around number one. Cut out by God, written by the finger of God. Go go around number two, cut out by Moses and written by Moses. Now you might ask, well, what is the difference? I don't know. I'm not quite sure what to make of the significance of the two in terms of this second go around. But I will say that I came across something from Riken who says these words. He says, this teaches us something very important about how the Bible was written. There is no contradiction between recognizing its human authorship and receiving it as the word of God. Who wrote the Ten Commandments? Question mark. Did Moses write them or did they come from God? Both answers are equally correct. Moses was the author of the book of Exodus, but he was writing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Thus, the words that he wrote are the very words of God. So that's something interesting. Here's another thing that I was thinking about from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Shane, can you turn me down just a smidge? There's a little echo up here. In 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, it says this. You are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by all men. Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So think with me just for a second. The Second go around, the renewed covenant, if you will, 
is done by Moses. And there's a contrast in 2 Corinthians 3 between the law written on tablets of stone and the work of the Holy Spirit written on our hearts. The difference is you try to keep a written law in your own strength, you just can't do it. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can watch Pastor Michael's teachings in their entirety. 19 chapters later! You're off the hook. We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday teachings. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be on stage. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it. And Lord, one more thing, not my will. You can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael prefers you attend your church Sunday mornings or visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, as fellowship is important. But you are invited to watch the 1030 a.m. Pacific Time service anytime. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? To watch Pastor Michael's teachings and to follow our YouTube channel for live streams, you can find the links and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And there's a contrast in 2 Corinthians 3 between the law written on tablets of stone and the work of the Holy Spirit written on our hearts. The difference is you try to keep a written law in your own strength. You just can't do it. But when the law is written on your heart, when you've had a change of heart on the inside, when the covenant has been born in your heart, then your desire is to keep it. Because it's coming not from just some external uh, law, written law, but it's coming from within you. Here's one attempt to kind of try to capture this. There, there are some people that have been married and divorced and then they remarry. And I'm talking about the same two people. Maybe you know a couple like this. They got married. Things didn't work out. They got divorced. And then they married each other again. The second Ceremony can be just as sweet as the first one, but it's different, right? Uh, there's, there's things that have happened since the first one, and you could say this, there was a reason why they divorced in the first case, right? They didn't get along, maybe the covenant was broken, but then they decide to renew their covenant. Some of you have done vow renewals, and that, that's a little different shade of this, but you're recommitting to what you committed at the altar, you know, decades before or whatever it may be. And so Moses is told to cut the stone tablets and then there's going to be the writing on them again as we saw at the end of the chapter. The covenant is going to get a new opportunity. Even broken covenants can be renewed. I know of couples who have gone through some very tough sledding and they've pressed forward. They've been able to move on, even if the covenant was compromised uh, by the goodness of God, by forgiveness, by all those things that we're going to see in the text. Uh, 
So he says, so be ready by morning, 34-2. Come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. Now Moses had to get ready and it was going to happen the next day. We, we don't know why the delay, but oftentimes in scripture when people were going to have a significant meeting moment with God, there was a time of preparation, a time where they would cleanse themselves and prepare to meet the Lord. And so Moses had to get himself ready and he was going to uh, present himself to the Lord on the top of the mountain the next morning. Each day we present ourselves to our king and we meet with God and commune with him and receive marching orders. And there's many scriptures that talk about that you go to the Lord first thing in the morning. There's even a book out called Sacred Morning and I don't know a lot about the book, but I heard somebody talking about it and saying that they've their whole life's been transformed by getting up a little bit earlier. In our case, we get up a little bit earlier if we're going to commune with the Lord. Amen? We're going to spend time with Him. And in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Amen? So if you can wrap your day in Jesus, first thing and last thing with the Lord... You're going to be doing pretty well. You find, you know, your joy in him. You start your day seeking him. It doesn't have to be an hour. It could be a few minutes. But better to weave your day in prayer than not to. Because a day weaved in prayer won't unravel. And all God's people said, amen. It's all about heart preparation. In the book of Amos, Prepare to meet your God, O Israel, is Amos 4.12. But in that book, if you read Amos chapter 4, you'll see that God tried to get their attention over and over again, and they would not listen. I did this, and you would not listen. I did that, and you would not listen. And then he says, prepare to meet your God. Well, every day we can prepare to meet our God by just simply saying, Lord, I'm a living sacrifice. Here I am. This is often my prayer. I don't have much to offer, <laughs> but what I have, I give to you, <laughs> right? So I wake up. I try to set my compass point on the Lord, on what he wants to have happen that day, and that's just a good way to start it. No man is to come up with you, 34.3, nor let any man be seen anywhere on the mountain. That's for their protection. That's God's mercy right there. He's saying, look, if anybody comes up who's not prepared or not part of this, which is you alone, Moses, they will die. Remember the warnings in Exodus 19? Don't even set boundaries. Don't even let animals come up. Nothing. Or they'll die. So God is saying, look, it's you alone, Moses. You come up. Tell people, let there be no man, not even Joshua, not even the elders, no flocks, no herds, nothing on the mountain. The mountain will now be sacred for this moment of a thousand lifetimes because I am going to pass by. And Moses is going to get a glimpse of the glory of God in this very moment. And so he cut out the two stone tablets like the former ones, verse 4. Moses rose up early in the morning. He went up to Mount Sinai, as he had done many times before. As the Lord commanded him, he took the two stone tablets in his hand. And the Lord, notice, descended in the cloud. That's the glory cloud. And stood there with him. And he, Moses, called upon the name of the Lord. Amen? 
The Lord descended in the cloud. Brothers and sisters, this is the only physical description in the whole account. We show me your glory. I want to see your face. You can only see the back parts of my beauty. I'll cover you in the rock. My, it'll be the afterglow. And there is absolutely no description of God in what Moses saw. You've been listening to When the Lord Passes By, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 through 7. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with a question that you might have had on the teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you would like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Once more, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, sometimes we might want to know a little bit more about the physical description of Jesus Christ. You know, we've seen the paintings, and of course the paintings are only the uh, conclusions of a painter (laughs) who wasn't there, didn't have a photograph to copy from. And so uh, what do we know about the way Jesus looked? Well, really the only thing we really know is Well, let me just say, we know a few things. Number one, that he was Jewish. So Middle Eastern in appearance and probably skin tone, although there's variables there. He had a beard. We can see that prophetically from the book of Isaiah, where they would pluck his beard out in that prophecy. And then we, we, we know that Jewish men, uh, typically had beards, so that's probably not a difficult conclusion to come to. We know he was a carpenter, um, so we would argue that he was probably what we might call a man's man. He worked with his hands. He even gave a parable from the workshop where he talked about the beam in one's eye or the log and the splinter. Uh, Take the log out of your eye, then you'll see the splinter clearly. So he was a carpenter. You see that in Mark chapter 6. And beyond that, uh, we know some about his family, of course, and all of that. And we know that uh, he lived into his early 30s. Um, You know, Jesus Christ dying around the age of 33. And so that's what we've got. That's what we know. But, But does that matter? No, it doesn't. Because the way somebody looks, although we judge so much by appearance, Uh, is really irrelevant. Um, Jesus Christ, we want to get to know his heart. And uh, when we see him depicted in Revelation, those are symbolic descriptions about his hair and his eyes and, you know, his feet. Those are symbolic um, communications to us about Christ. But it does show us something about his glory that he you know, is the resurrected great king, high priest, and lord of the universe, really. Um, and so that's what Revelation 1 is all about. But here's the thing. Whenever you want to get to know somebody, you, you don't know somebody just if you've seen a picture of them 
or, you know, their physical appearance or, you know, height, weight and stuff about them, hair color, eye color. When you know somebody is when you know their heart. And that's what it means to know the Lord. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we are studying Exodus 34, When the Lord Passes By. So glad you're listening. Hey, if we can pray for you in any way, would you reach out to us at walkintruth.com? Walkintruth.com. You can find out about submitting prayer requests, connecting with us, find out more about how to partner with this ministry, walkintruth.com. It's a great way to get to know us a little bit better and uh, a, a great way that we can connect a little bit more. Several um, notes have come in recently through the website, and they're always encouraging about where people are listening, how the program has blessed them, how long they've been listening. Maybe you could reach out to us and just let us know that. That's always a blessing because I sit in front of a microphone in a little studio in Corona, California, and uh, don't always know you know, where the, the program is landing in terms of individual stories. And we love to hear the individual stories. Reach out to us today, walkintruth.com. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. Or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 34, verses 1 through 7, called When the Lord Passes By. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.